Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 361. And tonight, we are still on schedule. Wow, we've been doing this for a while, haven't we? Yeah, it's working out really well. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so tonight, we are recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We are starting with 241, which is available for free right now on the Webtoons app. And then we'll go straight into 242, which is only available if you fast pass. And it's another week where I was really, really tempted to fast pass two episodes because I can't believe that's where they left. Yes, well, I have a quick summary, so spoilers for that second episode, but let's see, summary for the two episodes. Hades hires Hephaestus' virtual assistant, Etna, as his personal assistant, and then he spends two episodes moping about the fact that Persephone is hiding something from him, and then Persephone reveals that she has baby Dionysus. And that's where they ended it. That's it. That's it. That's That's a perfect summary, because really, the moping, but honestly, I mean... Let's be fair. She like, she takes off in the middle of a meeting, says she can't meet him for dinner, then says, I'm sorry, I'm going to stay at my apartment tonight. I mean, this is the day after their wedding. The day after. Does it feel like an awful lot has happened in one yeah. day? Because I mean, she, she went down to the underworld to get those judges. And meanwhile, Hermes had a punch up with Apollo, or hoping mm-hmm. it was a punch up, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff and the dream diving and then her leaving in the middle of the meeting and then uh, Hades meeting with um, Luce briefly. He was very relieved that Luce was no longer there. And then hiring Etna. And it's like, all of that was one day. Are the days just longer in the underworld? I I have no idea. It's just, I mean, at one point, Hades has said something like, this is not how I pictured our first day as man and wife. And I'm like, no, me neither. Yeah. One good thing, though, while he's moping, he was kind of like, I mean, I hope she's okay. I mean... I know that it's really important that we get all this stuff done for the kingdom and everything, but last night was significant, and we get just little glimpses of the two of them in bed together, which is, you know, that's gone a long way, I'm sure, to making a lot of the commenters happy who are like, we don't get to see anything? Yeah, I think... I think she's playing it out very gradually to not overwhelm anybody with this cinematic love scene. I mean, little mm. glimpses. I can I can be happy with that. I think. Yeah, well, yeah, well, me too. Yeah, no, they were really they were very cute and very <laughs> sexy as well. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. Brief summary. The reason why Persephone leaves in the middle of the meeting is that she gets a text, and it's obviously not good news because she's frowning when she leaves. And some of the commenters have been theorizing that the text was from Thanatos because Hades is also not able to get up with Thanatos this entire time. And when he checks his computer, he notices there's this weird drop-off in incoming souls. Now, does that mean a drop-off in the number or a whole bunch of souls have been dropped off? Oh, I assumed it was the former. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Way less souls coming in, yeah. He even calls Daphne, and Daphne has no idea where he is either. So yeah, I'm sure it'd be weird to have both those things happen at the same time and not have them be related. Yeah. Um, Hades is sending text messages to Persephone. At one point, it looked like she was going to leave him on read. And that is cold. But she does respond and she's, you know, I don't know, there's this fake cheeriness to her voice or to her text, I think. So he gets interrupted by Etna, who you remember is the virtual assistant for Hephaestus, and she wants a job as a PA. And when he asks her, like, doesn't Hephaestus keep you busy? And she thinks for a moment, and you see this, like, statue of a pony. It's actually called My Pretty Pony or something, and it's got a tag on it with multiple dollar signs. And she says, I need money. I'm thinking... 
Is it that transparent, her motivations? Is she a pretty lady who wants money so she can buy pretty things? It might be. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. She does seem like she doesn't seem very underhanded or sneaky in any way. I think what you see is what you get with Edna. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and she's kind of following him around. And I like the way Rachel draws her that she doesn't just walk to place to place. She'll zap out and then zap back in again. Or she'll kind of like flow in a sort of liquid way. Or And at one point they're going up the stairs and she, she's obviously been sort of dancing her way up the stairs. Yes. So she's so enthusiastic and that is fun. And I'm very glad that she got the job and Luce can no longer have a pretense for hanging around Hades. Exactly. At one point, a uh, delivery guy comes by and he's got a bag of like, I don't know, snacks or something. And he hands it to Hades. Here you go, delivery for you. And Hades said, I didn't order anything. And Etna says, oh, I did it for you. I figured you'd be hungry. Also, I reorganized your calendar. And he's like staring at his phone, looking with like wide eyes. And then he gets calmer and he says, that's creepy, but helpful. And one of the commenters said, that describes AI right down to the ground. It is. Creepy, but helpful. Yeah. So he even summons Hermes at one point, And apparently Hades carries around a whistle that he can just summon Hermes, who just shows up in a blaze of glory in short shorts, but sends him down to the mortal realm to look for um, Thanatos. And then he calls Persephone, and Persephone tries to play it off that she's feeling sick, and even has a little fake cough that she's going to stay home from work that day. And he's just like, please, you have to talk to me. I know the wedding night was a lot, but I'm losing my mind here. And he's just that, actually, if you're vulnerable, tell the person that you're vulnerable and why and what this is doing to you. So he does go over to Persephone's apartment because she says, okay, I messed up, but it'll be easier to tell you in person. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I didn't I didn't want to forget to mention this. At one point, when I think it's Etna and Hades are going up to the roof, and we see a really brief shot of an underworld employee sitting behind a computer, and he says, I'm sorry, we can't upgrade your insurance package now. Now, from my experience, Rachel doesn't do anything that's not going to get used later. So any guesses as to what that was about? I think there's a red blur in the background. So I think we're seeing Hermes flying through the air at warp speed in response to that whistle. So I think that's it. We're just seeing a an office set up and Hermes flying past all those windows. Interesting. Now, the other thing we see that I'm sure is going to come up later when Hades goes to Persephone's apartment, which by the way, is not in a nice area and it's not a really nice building. And so it looks a little scuzzy, but that's okay. We already all knew that. But there are two people talking in the hallway Two women. One of them has a cigarette. They both look a little like nymphs, I think. And one is looking kind of grumpy. And she says, I heard he showed up last. Now, one of the commenters had thought it's like, oh, she said, I heard he showed up last night. And that must mean Zeus. I'm like, I went back and looked. It just said he showed up last. Yeah, and I think I know who they're referring to, but it gets into the whole theory about what's happening with the baby that shows up Mm -hmm. later in the scene. But yeah, Mm -hmm. so Persephone opens the door and Hades comes in and he just embraces her and he says, it's okay, it's okay. And she said, everything kind of went pear-shaped. And she like makes him sit down and she, she looks at him and greenery is growing in her hair. And a few of the commenters thought it looked like um, grapes, like bunches of grapes and grape leaves and things, which would be appropriate. 
but she's just kind of staring at him fixedly. And she's obviously trying to play up that everything's normal. Everything's fine. And she says, can I interest you in a beverage? And Hades says, I want to know why my wife is avoiding me a day into our marriage. And she says, okay, that's fair. Yeah. yeah so yeah. she goes into another room and she says, there's someone who's been dying to meet you. And she comes out and she's holding a baby and it's a purple baby. And she says, it's Dionysus. Now. Yeah. The commenters have been providing some very helpful information because Dionysus's mother was the woman named Samil, I think. And Samil uh-huh. was a mortal woman that Zeus was partying with way back in season one. It was after Ares got into a fight with Zeus over the fact that Zeus slept with Aphrodite. Yeah. So they decided to, you know, Zeus decided to lay low by going to a mortal party and his latest hookup, who's Samil. In mythology, Samil asked Zeus for a favor, and he said, anything you want, you can have it. And she said, I want to see you in your full glory. Yes. And he couldn't back out. He tried to tamp it down as much as he could. But of course, as soon as she sees his full glory, she just crumbles into ashes. And at the last second, he grabs her unborn baby and sews it into his leg. Why his leg? I don't know. Maybe they thought that was more manly back then than the mythology. Like, sure, whatever. Fine. So then he ends up, you know, giving quote, quote, birth to Dionysus. But one of the commenters pointed out that when Zeus rescued Persephone from Kronos, and they're looking around for alcohol, and Zeus made some comment, my leg is hurting. And I'm wondering, oh, oh boy, could that possibly be a yeah. tie-in to the myth? Holy crap, that's a deep pull right there, but that's totally true. It is. Oh, my goodness. And it was an out-of-nowhere comment, and you know Rachel doesn't include any you know things that she didn't have some purpose for. So, nope. yeah, nope. I think that's what's happening here. So, I think Samil is dead. I think so, too. It's funny that a lot of commenters were also going on another tangent. Apparently, in some versions of the myth, Demeter is Dionysus's mother. And that would explain also why Persephone just has a particular flavor of pissed off on her face. And I actually assumed that as soon as she saw the text and looked angry, I was like, Ugh, what's to beat her up to now? Now, I did not predict that it was going to be a baby. But <laughs> that could be it, you know, if her mother is absolutely freaking out, you know, I don't know. And it'd be awful if this was a way for Demeter to get Persephone away from Hades, but she could. She could, she could. A few of the commenters were also theorizing that this drop off in mortal deaths, maybe the world is freezing because Demeter is no longer allowing the harvest to happen anymore and is like letting everything go cold in the mortal realm because she's upset that Persephone's in the underworld. Ah, that's a possibility too. Um, What else did I... uh, There was another theory. They said that Thanatos was involved because maybe Dionysus died with uh, Selene? Uh, Selene? Samil, Samele. We're probably pronouncing this incredibly wrong. Sure. So the idea was is that Samil, Samele, whatever, died and that the baby died too. And that's why there's a baby in the underworld. So there's a possibility as well. Yeah. I I think I saw in some of the preview images a sort of like old Roman drawing of a woman who is pregnant. And it Mm. almost looked like something you would draw to indicate a mortal woman. And so that might be Samele. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think the next two episodes are going to move things along a bit. But I was really kind of like, I mean, not angry, but 
my goodness, two whole episodes, and most of it is Hades moping. And he's got good reason to mope, but still, two episodes. Two episodes. The comments did make up for it, though. I actually had a list of comments that I liked. Now, there were a lot of commenters who thought that it was Persephone's baby. I think we can be reasonably sure it's not, but I like one person who was like, it's all in caps, ma'am, I believe you skipped a few steps. It was just like, you know, one night and a baby. Um, someone else said they had sex once and she had a baby. Fertility got us to the max. Yes. <laughs> really? Because it's possible. And she already talked with uh, Hades at one point about the idea that she could take some of his, I don't know, immortal flame or something and use her fertility powers to turn it into a baby. But I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it's Samele, I think, because she was included in an older episode. Yes, yes. Yeah, and another commenter, of course, the baby's purple, like a really wine-colored purple, totally appropriate for Dionysus. And I'm just like, one person there comment was, he is a grip. (laughs) I'm never going to get tired of like the cutesy way of talking where you leave words out. And I'm like, he is a grip. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's quite small. Yes. And then one more commenter pointed out, you know, when Persephone's there talking to Hades, says, can I interest you in a beverage? And their response was, can I interest you in a beverage? Some wine, perhaps? <laughs> well, there was one other thing from the myth that I'm not sure if the commenters pointed out or not. I think in the original myth, the reason why Semele asked Zeus to see him in his full glory was because she got visited by an old woman who told her that if her new husband loved her that much, he would do that for her. And the old woman was actually Hera in disguise because she found out Zeus was sleeping around. So we don't know what's going on with Hera right now with having these chats with Kronos. Um, We don't know if it's, if it's Hera's messed with things. We don't know if Zeus like brought the baby over to Persephone and, you know, one more way of, you know, I messed up completely. So you can be the good guy by fixing all of my mistakes. Yeah. I don't know. Stupid Zeus. It's always his fault. <laughs> always, uh. always. Damn. Yeah. I think we can reasonably say though, all of the myths say that depending, you know, maybe Samil is Dionysus's mother. Maybe Demeter is Dionysus's mother. All the myths say that the father is Zeus. So this is not Hades' baby. So we just, you know, it's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, because a lot of other people were, there were actually several people who were saying they were a little disappointed because if Persephone's adopted this baby, I mean, they were just kind of like, I mean, baby, yes, eventually, but do we not even get like a honeymoon period with them? I mean, they're just, they've been married for one day and now they're going to be taking care of a child. And some people are like, I I wanted something different. They think it's too fast. Yeah, well, it's a lot to happen in one day, I think. And I I wish we could have at least had a week, but I guess Rachel really wanted to move the story along. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. But yeah. But that's it. I, I was so tempted to just fast past one more episode. I'm just, <laughs> just got to resist. I got to resist. Anyway. So moving right along, I wanted to say that it was free comic book day this last week. I went to Nuclear Comics with a friend of mine. And it I've not been in there before. I was afraid it had probably been around for years. And I just didn't know about it. No, nah, they've, they've been there a little less than a year. But they're very nice and great selection. And I wanted to say... Out of the three comics that I picked up for free, the two that I liked, one was Uncanny Avengers, and in the very beginning of it, there's a story, and the art is done by Joshua Cassara with colors by Marte Gracia, 
And I got to tell you, it's flipping beautiful. So I, if those two are working on a book, I'm definitely going to get it. Yeah, I like those images that you sent to me. It does look very pretty. And then the other one I got was The Sacrificers. And this has a story by Rick Remender, who is a very familiar name, I'm sure. And I am looking for the artist. Well, it says on the cover, Max... Fiumara and Dave McCaig. I would assume that's either the artist and the colorist or possibly the artist and the letterer. And I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of where I've seen this style of art before, but I really enjoy it. And it's the first issue. They definitely got me hooked. I'm in for the series on that one. So more to come as we find out more. Very cool. So I didn't actually manage to watch too much this week. Um, no new TV episodes. What I did watch was the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yay! <laughs> I, the first thing you did, you texted me and you you knew exactly which was the laugh out loud moment that I had been talking about. Oh my God. Yeah. Before we get into any of the rest of that, we have to address the elephant in the room. That scene where Chris Pine's character is, you know, he's playing the lute and providing a distraction for the guards and doing his like sexy little lute dance, whatever, and singing. Mm -hmm. But it turns out he's an illusion cast by the magician Simon as the actual distraction. And then he starts glitching. And it's because Simon got his foot stuck in a paving stone and was losing his concentration. And it starts like, you know, the lyric is um, celebrate lasses or something like that. But then he starts repeating it, celebrate lasses, celebrate, break, 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 break. And his face starts stretching out. (laughs) And you see the warrior character, Holga, say, I think they're starting to suspect something. And then I don't know how they did it. It was his face just morphs and his eyes get really big and he goes braid like that and just the way they designed that with surgical precision to be the funniest damn thing i've seen in a long time i get tears in my eyes every time i watch a clip of that and it's just so funny i missed a huge fight scene with holga that happened right after that because i couldn't stop giggling this really (laughs) i haven't seen something that made me laugh that hard at a theater in a really long time i just love it so much it was just bizarre but perfect it was perfect perfect perfect. i mean they even incorporated chris pine's eyebrows in that last (laughs) shot oh my god that was funny yes we'll have to post a link to the reddit thread that nathan sent where they shared just that one scene just so if you need a pick me up you can watch this oh my god what was it that didn't you see that somebody made some comment about him getting his foot stuck in a completely flat space. Yeah. One of the people on that Reddit thread, a lot of people actually were talking about the fact that the things that happen in this movie are things that happen to their characters when they've been playing. And one person said foot stuck in the middle of a flat walkway screams critical fail. Oh yeah. He did not pass that dice. No. Uh Oh God. So many lovely little things that they did for actual D and D players. Like the fact that it's in forgotten realms. I mean, Nathan Mm. even perked up when he saw that he was like, oh, it's Forgotten Realms. Um, the bit about the intellect devourers will only pounce on people who are incredibly smart and they mm-hmm. like all flatten themselves to a wall and the intellect devourers just walk past them and Chris Pine's character, well, that was kind of hurtful. <laughs> oh my God, the paladin. The paladin, yes. You said something like, that was the most paladin who ever paladined, I think. Yes, I swear to God. I mean, he is like, he is excellent. He is, he is brilliant at everything he does. 
he is like a goody two shoes to a fault, and he has no sense of humor. I mean, it's just he's perfect. No, and uh, some of the people in that Reddit thread were commenting that that was apparently something of an outtake when he's walking away, and Chris Pine and Holga are sort of making fun of him. Look how he walks. Walks in such a straight line. He's coming to a rock. Is he going to go around it? No, he went over it. And apparently that was because they, the actor who played the paladin didn't hear the word cut, so he just kept walking. So they just decided to go with it. That's brilliant. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Everybody did such a great job, but it's definitely a Chris Pine vehicle. It is. It is. Although, Holga, she yes. was awesome. I mean, that one scene where they're both in cuffs and she manages to beat an entire troop of guards with a paving stone. While Chris Pine is there, like rubbing his, you know, uh, manacle on the rock, trying to break it, while she's, you know, flying around, beating the living daylights out of everybody. Yes, I like how before she did that, she managed. She was kind of distracting the guard to get just a little extra time to get the paving stone. But she was talking about his weapon, and she was complimenting and said, well, how do you well, how do you take care of that? And he said something like linseed oil. Why do you want to know this? And, you know, she gets done because she really did like the weapon, and she stole it as soon as she took him out. And I'm yeah, like, that's it, perfect. Yeah, they're getting ready to leave. And she says, okay, but before we get out of town, and Chris Pine says, yeah, yeah, I know, boiled linseed oil. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have been talking about the fact that this is sort of a... Like the creators were trying to make a Marvel movie, they're, or they're trying to make an MCU, but for Dungeons and Dragons, and yeah. that there are things that you can see in this that seem very much like Marvel movies, like the owl bear beating the living daylights out of the wizard at the end. That had to have been inspired by the Hulk beating Loki oh, up absolutely. in the first Avengers movie. Very much so. Yeah, the certain comedic beats do seem kind of familiar, but I don't know. It's just I, I want to say it was. The NPR guys, Pop Culture Happy Hour, I think they were specifically talking about, yeah, of course, the dialogue is very much like a Marvel movie. It's quippy, quip, 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 quip. Yes, but that's fine because I like that. Yes, and I liked all of the effects. I thought the effects were wonderful. Mm-hmm. I got to go back to that, the owlbear. Anytime that owlbear showed up, I loved watching that. I liked the character of Doric. Everything about her was just pleasing. And I had to look it up. Actress's name is Sophia Lillis. She was Gretel in the Oz Perkins Gretel and Hansel movie that I watched several years ago. Oh, I never saw that one. No, is it? You know, I've seen three of um, Perkins's movies, and Gretel and Hansel is the one that comes closest to like an actual traditional storytelling style with a beginning, middle, end sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all very, very weird, and he definitely puts more emphasis on how a movie feels than maybe how much of a story is being told. I like. It. And I like nice. Sophia Lillis in that one. So I'm just like, I saw that. That's where I saw her before. <laughs> this movie, I mean, you're talking about all the callbacks. I had the most fun identifying creatures that were going by. Oh, and yeah. Got, like, a cat with like tentacles on his shoulders. I'm like, that's a freaking displacer beast. And then a gelatinous cube. I mean, how brilliant. And what was the name of the, because um, it's it's definitely shows up in pretty much every monster manual, the uh, shape-changing monster that looks like a chest of jewels. Oh, uh, Mimic, I think. A Mimic. That's right. Yes, I liked the Mimic very much. Very fun. Very cool. The cat person, the kid that the paladin rescued and everything, that's, um, that's somebody mentioned the name of that one. I remember seeing that one in the monster's manual too. That's totally one. And I remember liking the, remember what was the, 
There was a monster's manual that you and I loved because the art was just brilliant, especially that cat creature. I'm almost positive that was a were leopard. Ah, got it. Yep, got yep, it. Very yep. nice. Very nice. Oh, but so the mimic in the maze brings me to the entire battle scene in the maze. And, which was amazing. Which was amazing. But there was something right when it got started you see our characters brought up to the surface of the arena, and then you see, I think it was at least two other groups in the background. And my brain just went, oh, that's hilarious, because of course there's other gaming groups that they probably all had their own adventures that led here. And Nathan leans over and said, that's the characters from the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. I'm like, I'm just amazing. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. (laughs) I can't believe. I'm so glad Nathan told you, because I had to see the IMDb trivia to get that one. I'm like, holy crap that's brilliant and nobody mentioned anything else about any of those other characters that were running around there but i would not be at all surprised if those were like callbacks to other dungeons and dragons properties where they've made an attempt to put them on screen but just what a wonderful thing to include in your movie yes because if you look at all the incarnations i mean i completely expected this movie was going to suck because previous incarnations have sucked. But what didn't suck? The Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. That was always amazing. Haven't watched it in years, but I just remember loving that one. Yeah, I took a look at it many years ago, and it was many years after I'd watched it. I don't know that the animation holds up all that well. So I'm going Mm. to keep it perfect in my mind because I do remember I adored that cartoon. So good. So I just, I mean, anything else we would talk about this movie would be just bringing up the things that we thought were cool, like anything with that hither-thither wand. I was just going to say, I love when people play with portals. Yes! Oh my god, anything having to do with them planting that on a picture frame, and then the picture frame moving, and then at one point the picture frame falls face down so they can't crawl through the portal because now they're looking at bricks. And I just, oh, oh, that was wonderful. Unbelievable. And the bit with the hot air balloon. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I do think some things were a bit heavy-handed, I mentioned to Nathan afterwards, I said, so did you think that the whole bit with the dragonfly standing in for his wife and him learning to let go, was that a little obvious that Nathan started miming, beating something with a hammer? Clang, clang, clang. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was, I I tried to let it go because it was very sweet, but I was just like, oh, I got it. That's, That's his wife and she's moved on to another thing. She doesn't need to come back so he can you know let her go and i'm like it's it's fine yeah i I felt like the whole when he told his daughter i realized that i hadn't gone out to save your mother i went out to save my wife and that is a different thing which is very nice that they point that out but i felt like that line could have come much later i felt like putting it that far early sort of takes some of the wind out of the revelation when he realizes ah, he's got to save Holga because Holga is the most important person in his daughter's life now. Right. So, right. And that could have been the point to make that particular realization. It's like, oh, wow, I, I, he was trying to sell it as he's doing this for his daughter. No, he was doing it for himself for a good reason. But boy, wasn't that an amazing revelation when he said, you want to know who killed my wife? I did. Basically, yes. he got her killed by taking that piece of gold in the wizard's stronghold that we saw him looking at. And that ended up getting the wizards to come after the gold, which happened to be at the house where his wife was. So, oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was that, heartbreaking. That, that was very heartbreaking. But but one other thing, and it'll probably lead me to a, another um, thing that I did manage to catch up with today. 
the whole idea about her being in a better place, apparently in Forgotten Realms, that's not a platitude. Really? That when you die, you actually go to another life. You know, oh, you wow. move on to an afterlife. And I heard that from Greg from How to Drink's new podcast, uh, Midnight Local, which I have listened to all of the episodes now. Oh, and he wow. Did one, nice. He did one on Dungeons and Dragons. And Sweet. I don't think he was as pleased with it, but he was a hardcore Dungeons and Dragons person, and I don't think he was all that... He doesn't think it was for him, basically. Mm-hmm. It was aimed at a much you know younger audience. But he said that about... You know, when you die, you go on to another place. He said, that's not just somebody trying to be nice. No, she's living in another place. She's probably got a job already. It's <laughs> <So. laughs> amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of moving on, Holga's ex. And you see him, <gasps> and he's a halfling, because that's what she likes. And yes. in the end, winking at the one halfling over there, she's like, hey, I'm, I loved all of that. <laughs> yes. I love the fact that he did move on, but... He wasn't being a jerk about it because right. she was she was so unhappy and he couldn't make her happy even though she was unhappy because she left her her people kicked her out because she was in love with him but he couldn't change that he couldn't make her happy he couldn't make it so that she didn't drink herself into a stupor and and go out and risk her life all the time while he's sitting at home wondering if she's going to die so i thought yeah. That was very good that they played all that up. But also when his new girlfriend came in. Yes. And it's another great big hulking warrior woman. And I'm like, ah, he's got a type. Yes, he certainly does. But so does she. That's fine. Yes. That's yeah. perfect. That's acceptable. I mean, it's just, they they sold it so well because it's like on the surface, it's completely ridiculous. I mean, she's huge. He's tiny. All that. But they didn't even address that. She was in love with him, and that all they talked about was the relationship and why it didn't work. And by the end of it, it didn't seem ridiculous at all anymore. It was like sweet and a little bit tragic. I loved it. I love that he never got defensive, and Holga never got threatening or spiteful, and his yeah. new girlfriend didn't look like she was threatened. She seemed like she was a nice person. I know. it was. I, I don't know how they managed to walk that line there, but they did a great job with that. They bit. did. I love that. But yes, anyway, that Midnight Local podcast, I definitely recommend that. It's fun. Very cool. I don't think I've listened to all of the Eat the Rich episode, but that's because they give spoilers for the movie The Menu. And the more I hear about that movie, the more I kind of want to see it. Really? Okay, yes. that's good. Because there's also like, have you heard about Triangle of Sadness? No. Is that... Huh. It's another ship movie, right? Yeah, it's another ship movie. And there's a lot of rich people on it. And I'll tell you right now, apparently barfing is a huge part of that oh. movie. Like really explicit barfing. I'm like, well, I'm out. <laughs> I don't, doesn't sound like anything I'd go out of my way to watch. No. No, I don't think so. So that's when I heard him kind of put it in the same category as the menu. I'm like, um... It's, I don't know, it's a food movie, and you're putting in the same category. If there's barfing, I'm out. I'll have to check the um, the Does the Dog Die website to yes. see if there's any barfing going on in that one. Yes. The only other thing that I've been watching is I am caught up with Ted Lasso, and I was telling you earlier, it is, it's better than a couple of the episodes. Like, the most latest two episodes are better than a couple of the other episodes in the season, but it is still not at the level of the first season of Ted Lasso, and yet the showrunner has left the show he's working on Shrinking. And Shrinking is definitely good. It's really, really good. But Shrinking is not as good as the first season of Ted Lasso. So it does feel like, like you said, it's like a 
Buffy the Vampire Slayer Joss Whedon leaves to go and do Firefly and Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of tanks. Yeah, yeah. It also seems to be a little bit of a law of diminishing returns that the showrunner's next TV show may not be quite as good as the previous one. I don't know. know I've still only seen the first couple episodes of Shrinking. I really need to catch up on that. And I haven't watched any of Ted Lasso, but then, you know, I've got... Umbrella Academy, which I need to watch, and Severance, which sounds like it'd be interesting. And, you know, I've got to sit down and watch a movie that I've seen, like, a hundred times already, simply because that's the only <laughs> thing I feel like doing of an evening. Yeah, I know that next month, Black Mirror comes back. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow, I don't know. Oh I goodness. still haven't seen all of the episodes of Black Mirror, simply because I felt like I got traumatized after a certain point, like, did I want to sign up for any more heartbreak that I knew would happen because it's a Black Mirror episode? Oh, God. I got I can't remember. Yeah, they were. I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking about a couple that I know you didn't watch. And I'm like, yeah, that was pretty heartbreaking. But yeah. But yeah, so I've got my Netflix membership is paused, but I'll have to turn it back on for that. So. Oh, yes. But I guess that will wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries, or the fan art galleries. We haven't done either in a little bit, so we nope. should do one or the other. Should we do another mid-journey project? Try to figure out something else that you can uh, uh, have mid-journey completely misinterpret? Yes, I will definitely post the latest picture. I really wanted to do a bit of fan art for Five and Dolores the Mannequin from Umbrella oh, Academy. Yeah. Oh, man. It was not what I was looking for because one of the versions they gave us might have been like the humanized version of Dolores. Maybe I haven't checked, but there's one because I put in the actor's name and I said Umbrella Academy fan art and everything. Well, one, Midjourney says, well, it's got to have an umbrella in there. And I'm like, I no. guess so. okay, well, that's fair. fair. Fine. Yeah, that's good. But it looks like it's five and Fania and mm-hmm. it's just beautiful it is gorgeous Uh, i mean her arm is freakishly long but otherwise it kind of looks like the characters too yeah yeah and that's the thing there's like they missed the uncanny valley because it's not quite like the actor and actress but it's really close but the style is kind of painted so any kind of discrepancies you can kind of overlook but i was seriously impressed by that yeah that was very pretty Mm -hmm. anyway all that and more pixeladygeek.com so next week we should have a nightfall episode i think oh yes i think so and whatever else we end up watching. I'm watching um, a British thing called The Detectorists because Greg on How to Drink had mentioned it. Mm-hmm. So far, it is very pleasant and very British. If it is okay. anything more, I will certainly let you know. Yes, please do. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Hi everyone, sorry, try that again.
242-241 is available for free. You know what? I'm going to try that again. Okay. That just got all messed up there. It would be awful if her mother was using this as a way to get Persephone away from Zeus. Um, anything else on that? Or I don't think so. It's probably just going to be more, oh, this, and then that, and then the other oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs>